welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, the living God. Praise God for giving us another day to worship him. Praise God for giving us another day just to sing a song about Jesus. Praise God that we get to come in here and crack open the word of God together and enjoy each other and talk to one another. Praise God that we've been able to come another day because our days are not promised. And moments, moments are not promised. And I'm not just talking about life and death. I'm just saying that when you think about your life and you think about the seasons that you've been in, think about all the things that God may have done for you. And there is a real and living God receiving worship from us, receiving songs, enjoying your voice. Whether you're an whether alto or tenor, he enjoys your worship because the, 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 the performance is not about the tune. It is about your heart and the posture you have towards him. And he receives that and enjoys that. And so I just want you all to just know how powerful it is for God to hear your songs, to hear your worship, and how much he enjoys the beauty of your worship. You know, um, as we've started this church years ago, um, when we started the church, my wife and my kids were the first members of the church. And it was just us here in Brooklyn. And I will never forget when people said, don't move to New York because you got to be careful about your kids. You don't know what they're going to learn in school. <laughs> you got to be careful because the apartments are so small. You got to watch out. The, the, the streets, you know, they'll, they'll run you over in New York. And they, they're not, they got no etiquette up there. And, you know, I was in Atlanta where they have the sweet tea and the Chick-fil-A and the pickles. <laughs> and they're like, they don't got that up there. And at the time, they didn't. But through revival, God has brought them to. <laughs> and everyone was like, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid of the big city? Aren't you afraid? We had about $2,000 in our account. I sold all my seminary books for $1. Not all of them for $1. I sold each at a dollar. But still, it's still bad. I just wanted to clarify, praise God. We were, we were told that there was a, a group, a church that was going to give us $50,000. That church then said, this year, this year, we decided that we won't be giving out money. Instead, we'll be giving out encouragement. <laughs> and you can't eat encouragement. There was a polar vortex that year. And we, we just had no clue how it was going to work out. 
But we had sensed that God was calling us to do something in the city, for the city. We have this sense that God was calling us beyond what made sense. And God was going to do something powerful through this. We had this belief that God was saying something, even though we saw nothing. We believed that. And because we perceived that the living God who created me and called me into his relationship with him, because we perceived that the living God was drawing us to this city, we said yes. And because we said yes, God has done much. But God's story through me is nothing like God's story through us. Because it's not enough for my story to be about Natasha and I. God of the universe has a story like that for you. A story of living by faith in the Son of God. If you know God, you already believe, if you're a Christian here today, you believe that there was a man named Jesus who grew up in Nazareth. He was a blue-collar worker, a carpenter, who was unknown for 30 years, starts to go around doing miracles, turning water into wine, walking on water, says that his dad really wasn't the dad that gave birth to him, but the person that really gave birth to him was the God of the heaven and earth through the Holy Spirit. We already believe that. We already believe that he is rose again from the dead. We already believe that he's going to come back on a cloud, on a white horse. We believe that a snake really talked. We believe that mules talked in the Bible. It's, it's, why, start, why do you start thinking that you think something crazy or believing in something crazy? You already believe in something crazy. I just want to admit that to you. You already believe in something over the top. It's over the top to believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Well, you know, this is out of control. It's out of control. And Paul the Apostle one time said in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, the life I live now, I live by faith. I live by faith. And my decisions that I make in my life, I live by faith, by faith, by trusting in him. And it is not enough for that story to be my own. I was uh, speaking in Alabama one time, and when I was down there, I talked, I was just sharing stories about things that God had done in my life what I saw the Lord doing, I mean, miraculous stuff. How we got this building, how we got our apartment, how we ended up being in a college and getting a, 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 an office there on a college campus. I just was saying miraculous stuff. And so I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm done, I'm, I'm done. And, and, the, and the leader, one of the leaders at the church said, hey, can you come back up and can you share some more stories? And I was like, yeah, I have more to share. He says, yeah, because we love your God stories. I said, I appreciate that. 
I said, well, why don't, we just, why don't we just have a conversation? He's like, no, no, no. We can't have a conversation. See, we don't have God's stories. We want to listen to yours. And in that moment, I realized that they're looking at me as some kind of hyper, almost heroic Christian doing things that they think they can't do. And one of the problems of being in the pastorate is that you may presume that because I'm in full-time vocational ministry that I have an extra portion of the Holy Spirit. That I'm doing something that you can't do. I am living by faith in the Son of God. And I am doing things and I am facing my fears. And I am pushing through those things for, for the glory of God. And that's how I live my life. My first question is, is, what's God saying? What's God pressing on me to do? What's he want? And I push past my fears. I want to share with you guys in this series, I, I, I feel like, I feel God really pressing in on our church to, to break out of habits that we have, habits that make us kind of um, convenient, like your life with God is convenient. And, and breaking out of those habits of convenient and really starting breaking out into a life of faith. I mean, sometimes when I, I, I've shared this before, I was at a pizza shop one time and we had just moved up here and we were looking for an apartment and we didn't have a lot of money. And, and one of the guys in the pizza shop said, where are you from? I said, we moved from Atlanta. He says, you know, people normally don't move from Atlanta. They normally move to Atlanta. Why would you move up from here? And I was like, that is such a good question. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was like, well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, don't you guys have houses? And I was like, that's so true. That's so true. And then he says, you know, what, what would make you do that? And I was exhausted. I had been, you know, doing stuff all day. And I was like, and I, it, it didn't come across right. Um, but I was like, I, I mean, I, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And I, and I think I need to tell that story. And dude was just looking at me as, it, like I was insane. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, uh, and I remember thinking, like, I really don't know how to explain my life outside of faith. I don't know how to explain my life outside of faith. Faith is the reason why I do what I do. Faith is my story. Because Jesus is my story. And I live by faith. And I believe that's what God calls us to, a life of faith. I want to share with you several things in this series. If you look, the imagery here is like someone wrote down something and, and wrote impossible. And then they kind of got it out the garbage and then wrote across the I and the M and just had the word possible. As if they threw out old dreams and ideas and things that they felt that they were supposed to do and, and pulled it out and said, this is now possible. And many of us have things that you might have felt an impression that God was saying to do and things that God might have been pushing you towards, but somewhere people told you, calm that dream down. Turn, turn off that vision. And one of the things that we have to realize, one of the first things I want to say is that common sense isn't always God's plan. Common sense is good. Common sense is, 
you get advice, and wisdom comes from a multitude of counselors. But common sense isn't always God's plan. What everybody thinks, what everybody says. You know, (laughs) there is a sense in which God's voice gets quieted because you're so involved with the crowd and you're so involved with what people think that you really can't hear God's voice. The Bible says that uh, in Isaiah 55, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. Now, sometimes God's ways and sometimes our thoughts are similar. Sometimes we'll have some good ideas that we share. But throughout my time in ministry, most of the people that mentored me had a vision smaller than my own. And my, the vision I saw dwarfed what they had. And I am always pressing towards what God is saying. And so my life is filled with prayer, and I want that for you. I want you to have God's stories. You know, on Easter, could we hold up two fingers real quick? Just hold up two fingers. Everybody, that would be everybody with a capital E. Hold up two fingers. On Easter, we're going to do two services. Two services. Two services. Keep the two up. Keep the two up. Keep the two up. And we're trusting God for 200 people at both services. Both services. Both services. <laughs> this, I know, but I'm doing the two. Thank you, I tower. <laughs> That's really 400. Keep the two up. Keep, keep the two. Work with me, saints. Work with me. I, I thought this through, praise God. Hallelujah. So two, two, two. All right, two services. Two services, 200. Two services, 200. Two services at 200 apiece. Now, hold up one finger and hold up the right finger. Don't put the wrong finger up. One finger, all right? One, one, one. I want you to trust God for one person. One. One person. One. One. Just one person. You put your hands down. One person. One person that we've said, this, this guy is impossible. You know what? They, 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 don't, they will never come to God. They'll never know God. One. I want you to trust God for one person that you would bring to that service. Now, when we, when we start talking about church and church growth and people coming to a service, I don't want you to get it twisted. This is not about you getting some kind of like highlight reel for Jesus or us celebrating the fact that you brought one person. People, listen, people are hurting out there. And I'm talking about one marriage that is coming into this room that is seeking healing. One depressed person who needs peace coming in this room. 
One person who has just been contemplating suicide, but yet feels that God spoke to him on that day. One person that has been completely rejected by their family and needs a community. One. That is why you do a church. Because this place is for the sick. This place is for the sick. And so I believe that God is breaking us out of common habits and getting into doing what everyone does and and breaking out. And I believe that this is the year we are going to take off as a church, but not take off just in terms of numbers. It is you taking off in your community. It is you reaching your context. And I believe that there might be someone you have written off, and I want you to get them out the trash and write their name again. And trust God for them. You know, um, the Lord, uh, far too often, you know, when when he gives us dreams and visions and great ideas, uh, I believe that that is part of the way we are, even as kids, you know, you think about when you were a child. My kids, it's not hard for them to believe God can do anything. You know, my, my kids think I can do anything. That's a lie. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know what I'm saying? When you were a child, you just have these big dreams and ideas. And then you start living life. And you start quieting your dreams. And you start having more fears than you have faith. And you, start, you stop telling people about that thought you had. You start only telling a few people, and now it's only in your home. It used to be on Facebook. Now it's just in your heart. Your dreams are quiet, but it's because your God is too small. And what it is, is we, we, what we have is we have a post-traumatic trust disorder. What we have is, you know, when I was, um, when I was, uh, when I played ball, when I, this is one of my ajillion football illustrations. But um, when I played football, I was, uh, I remember I was about nine or ten years old, and uh, it was my first or second year playing. And I was bigger than every other kid, right? Um, and I would just bust through the line. I would bust through the line, tackle all the kids and bust through the line. And I would do this all the time. And I'll never forget one time I was down there, and I busted through the line. And I was like, this was easier than normal. And I was running right to the running back. And all of a sudden, a dude hit me from the side. And I remember my body flying in the air. And I fell to the ground. And not only was that embarrassing, but I sprained my tailbone. So all week, I'm in, I'm in school like this. Because I can't even, so I can't even like act tough about it. I was like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And so my butt hurts. I can't do anything. I'm embarrassed, right? And, and this is what I learned. The, the reason why you do this play, what happens is the guy in front of you disappears and they let you go. And they let you go believing you're going to make the tackle. They say, oh, you think you're big and strong. We'll just let you go. So you think you have this belief, you know, I'm going to do it. I do it all the time. And you go, and then they hit you out of the blue. And the next time you're on the ground, you're scared. You get up out your stance a little slower. And the crazy thing is, when you think you're about to make a tackle, you stop and you go, are you coming again? And you can't really have the success you used to have. 
because you got knocked over. And there's this trauma that we have for trust that we can't go again. We can't get hit again. <laughs> and um, I, I'll, never, I'll never forget how, how much it took me to, um, when we had, we had 185 people here at our first service. Boy, I thought, this is it, y'all. <laughs> we on our way. It's going to be like this next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be packed. Why we got to, we need some more chairs. We need to, we, we need to start thinking about renting out the Barclays Center something. <laughs> this is, in a week, we are going to, we're going to be in the Barclays Center. The next week, uh, saints, I am, some of y'all is, are laughing. Some of y'all that, were, that lived through that horror, I didn't know. I walked up in here, and you know, the, the first 15 minutes is like, you know, trains and <laughs> weather and, you know, certain ethnicities, praise, <laughs> praise you, God, praise you. You know, but I was like, it's just, it's time, it's just time, you know? So I'm like, okay, once worship is done, it's going, it's going, yeah, it's going, mm-hmm. I got up here. And I think we had about 30 people there. And I had to preach. Who knows what I said? <laughs> you know what I was really saying the whole time? Where is everybody that was here last week? And really what I was, the worst part wasn't then, it was the next week. Because I was scared. I was just scared. I was scared. I was scared. I was like, I, I don't want to get back up there again. I don't want to work through failure again, God. I want this to be successful. And if this is not going to be successful, I don't, I don't know if I want this got to get up there and motivate people. I, I'm trying to motivate myself. And if I had not endured, this room would not be filled. And God allows us to work through our trauma. The other, the other thing that I think helps us to believe God for the impossible is there, there is a stark contrast between predictions and expectations. When you predict something, it's like a forecast of certain outcomes. Certain things will definitely happen. But an expectation is a belief, a trust, a level of certainty that things will work as expected. But a prediction is not the same as the, an expectation. I cannot predict, you know, we, the, the ACC tournament was here. And um, uh, I think Duke won. I think Duke won. And I could not. There is no one. You know, sometimes you just got to do it by yourself, girl. 
She's like, go Duke. No, Duke, okay. It's all right, it's all right. I could not, I could not predict that Duke would win. But based upon the coach and based upon the team, I can expect how they're going to play. I can say, man, they're probably going to go far, and, and there's certain things I, can, I, I know. And what I've learned about my God is I can't predict what will happen, but I can expect his character. I have expectations of God's character. I believe God is good. I believe that God is good to me. I believe God has a plan for my life. And I believe God loves me. And based upon those beliefs, no matter how much trauma I have, I push through it for his glory. I believe those things. Now, saints, we had a good, we were worshiping up in here. It was great. But I want to encourage you about worship. When we sing to God, we are singing not so that the room can be filled with music. When we sing, we are not just singing so that we could sound good. When you sing, You are filling your mind and heart with the truths of God so that you can believe again. So that you can believe. Your mind must be saturated with the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the beauty of God and all that God has done for you. And when your mind is saturated with that God, your imagination takes over and you can believe God for incredible things because you are singing his attributes to him. We are singing of his attributes of the great things God does. And that's why we sing. And worship is more for us than it is for him. This dude has angels who sing daily and sound better. (laughs) You think an angel sounds better than you? In other words, do you, do you, I mean, I make a joyful noise, capital N, noise. He does not need my worship. Worship is for me. It's for my heart to get filled up. And it is expanding. When we say we're glorifying God, we're not expanding someone who is small. We're magnifying someone who is big in our mind. We have to magnify him because he's too small in our minds. See, music, so much of music is about expanding and magnifying people who are really small. Now, listen, 20 years ago, Christopher Wallace died. Poor little Al. I'm a big Biggie fan. I was driving, listen, we're having a moment here, guys. I was driving the other day, and someone said, the notorious B.I.G. died 20 years ago. I was like, wow, man. And so, 
started to have a moment, played a little, played a few songs. <laughs> if this is messing you up, work through it. And I'm at the place in my walk where I can listen to worship and Biggie. That's just what I can do. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I'm not saying Biggie. I'm not some. I had to. I had to leave Biggie alone for a little bit. But I'm just saying. But rappers, rappers, always exalt their attributes. And I have memorized them. Because I'm in the car, and I'm like, you know, first things first. It's true, Biggie. You did freak all the honeys. So here it is. Oh, please. But do you really think Biggie freaked all the honeys? Probably not. Biggie was great. But it's something about, it's crazy, like when that song comes on, you know, you start getting excited. And this is, all, this is what I want to encourage you with. I think it is weird to God when... I am overwhelmingly excited about the attributes of a human. But only the right song can get me hyped up for him. And, and what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that if we're talking about God and his attributes, the people up here singing are inviting you to join them in worship they're not necessarily trying to perform worship for you. In, in other words, I enjoy Biggie because the song was dope and the beat is hot. And if the beat wasn't good and his lyrics weren't tight, I would not know who he is. And so I only talk about him and I only know him because he's great and he's beyond. But the, thing, and, and, but the song is good. And I'm just at a place in my walk where the song doesn't have to be good because God is good. The, the song doesn't have to be good for me. There's somebody, I don't know, somebody could be off, the, the, the keyboard could melt. It doesn't matter. I know, I know what God has done for me. And I enter into his courts ready to worship. Now, I, wanna, I just want to say this. We are all at different places in this room. So what I am talking about is not conjuring up hand movements. I'm not talking about how loud you are because you can move your hand and you can be loud and be as far from God as you want to be. That does not mean um, ecstatic worship is not authentic worship. What I'm talking about is stop singing a song and start singing to a person. A per, a per, he, this is what I'm trying to say. Before the sermon, the height, your faith is heightened 
Because you believe you are singing to Jesus. And you are starting to talk to him. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. And that is what we do when we come into this room. It's not the eloquence of the preacher. And it is not the excellence of the music. It is the goodness of God that I come into this place. And I worship him. So because God is good, and he's been good to me, I come in here ready to tell him who he is for my sake. So that I can remind myself, because I'm going back out there this week. And I'm going to be disappointed this week. And there's another trap play coming. There's something else that's going to railroad my faith. And I need the songs of God, the truths of God. I need to slow everything down. Slow down. God. He's God. God is in control. He's my healer. This pain I'm going through. I don't feel healed but you are a healer. That's so much chaos in my mind. I don't feel peace, but you are my peace. I feel alone, but you are my shepherd. God, work beyond my feelings and move into my heart. And so much of music is about saturating your mind so that your feelings catch up. You become more and more and more and more convinced of the truth as you sing of who he is. You know, often we, we sing a song where we say, I will exalt thee. I will exalt thee. You are my God. In the psalm, he says, be still, know that I'm God, I will be exalted, I will be exalted. I will be exalted. And when we worship, you say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of you being exalted in the nations. I want people to know who you are. I want people to know that you are real. And that's why we worship. And so <clears throat> throughout this series... I will never get up here and try to rebuke you into praise because I think that's a little bit more for me than it is for him. I will encourage you towards intimacy and knowing, stop, don't think about how you sound. Think about who we're singing to. And I just pray that God would be pleased in our praise and that he would enjoy how we sound, not because of how we sound, but because we're so intimate and we're longing for his presence. This series is um, so much about trusting God for the impossible. Having your mind saturated in that great truth of who God is. Part of our need to have God magnified in our minds is because God has designed you not just for yourself, but so that you would glorify him in the earth. 
And God has created you to not only trust him for impossible things, but also trust him for impossible people. People that have said, I don't need God. If you have your Bible, we're only going to look at this for quickly because I went longer because the Holy Spirit is doing what he wants today, praising his holy name. Um, but I, I just really want you to, to look briefly in Mark chapter 10, and, and, and I want you to see this guy, this guy here in Mark chapter 10. This guy in Mark chapter 10 is flawless. Nothing wrong with him. No problems. Mark chapter 10. Look in verse 19. God tells this guy who comes up on him, and they were in a conversation, and the the gentleman said how good he was. And so the Lord challenged him, and he said, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And what he will eventually say is, I've done all those things. This gentleman was a rich man, and in being rich, notice what the Lord does. He says, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud. And what all those are talking about is, are you a person of integrity? Did you get your money through integrity, or did you do it through ill-gotten means? Because at that time, people would defraud people all the time. They would take bribes all the time. And so part of what God was doing was challenging him in the area of money. And he says, I don't steal from anyone. I have integrity. Look what he says. Honor your father and mother. And he would eventually say, I do honor my father and my mother. I'm good to my parents. He even says, don't commit, uh, don't, do not commit adultery. And what we can tell, this was a single man. So he, I'm being pure. Think about who this dude is. He, he's good to his mama. He's rich. He probably looks good because when you have money, you tend to look good. <laughs> From what we can tell, he's probably a politician. And, and he's gotten his money through doing good things in the community. This is a good guy. This is a very moral dude. And when he is challenged, look in verse 20, he says, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. I don't have a past. I never got up in that stuff. You know, James, you talk about what you said. I don't, I don't know that life. I've been moral my whole life. And the crazy thing about this is that there comes a point in the text where the disciples say, well, then who can inherit eternal life? Because this guy is so good. Verse 17, the, the man, though, He says this to the Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
this man who, you know, sometimes I'm in Manhattan and even here in Brooklyn. And have you ever seen somebody who just looks flawless? No, I'm, okay, don't admit it, but (laughs) they've got it together. And when you talk to them, their resume, they're killing it. They've got it together. They are flawless. And you start talking about Jesus and they're like, yeah, that's good. That's so good for you. (laughs) Jesus, that's so good. I'm so encouraged by that. Me, I'm spiritual. No, no no shade. I, I, and what they are saying is, God is good for you. I'm good to people. I'm out here in the community doing good things. I take care of my mom. My dad on the weekends. We, we take time together. No, 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 ladies. I, I, I'm really not into that, you know, go, going around. I, I really want someone special. I treat women right. This is the type of person that you might overlook. They're flawless. But notice the question he has. What must I do to inherit inherit eternal life? And the question assumes something. He assumes that in some way, because he's been so good his whole life, that goodness, all that goodness will be transferred into eternity. And you know what the crazy thing is? He had everything, but he still wanted to know about eternity. And I believe that even the people that you think are flawless still have deep questions. They have things that they are wrestling with. And look here in verse 21. And the scripture says, and Jesus, and Jesus, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And so Jesus is saying, listen, there's one thing, though. You've been all good. I know you're a really good guy, but here's what I want you to do. I don't want money to be your identity anymore. I want to be your identity. I want you to follow me. And he said, I'm good. And this person right here, this person right here is surrounding you at work and is in your neighborhood and on your block And it's in your life. It is the very person that says, I don't need God. Because in many ways, God is their boss. God is their example. God might even be perceived as their leader, but God is not their savior. Because they do not perceive they need to be rescued. And this moral man, and 
And what we are saying in this series is that we want you to trust God for that person that you have written off. The disciples would have never walked up to him. And Jesus, in this encounter, pursues him. And if you look in verse 21, he loved him. He loved him enough to ask that tough question. He loved him enough to go beyond the niceties and ask, would you be willing to do this for God? Sell all that you have? And he was sorrowful and he was grieved. This past week, broke my heart. Good friend, 40 years old, four beautiful children, passed away. Seeing her pass away made me think how much tomorrow is not promised. And when I say these words, I say them for two. There is a person who is resting in their morality, perceiving that the morality will lead them into eternity. And Jesus himself said, you must follow me into eternity. But then there is another. There is a person in here who is not urgent for the truth of God in other people's lives. Not urgent to tell how great God has been to other people. And for you, I pray that you would write down people's names and trust God for people's lives. Because no one is impossible for God. No one. I was on the plane. <laughs> I was on the plane back from the funeral, and I'm on the plane with Jay, this dude I was on the football team with. I hadn't seen him in 20 years. The last time I saw Jay blunt in my hand, like, yo, man, what you going to do? I don't know, I'm going to the club. Never saw him again. 20 years later, we're on a plane. I got a suit on. He's like, what you doing? Came from the funeral. Oh, were you a pallbearer? Bearer? No, I was preaching. Why are you preaching? Oh, oh, I'm a Christian now. Oh, yeah, I gave my life to Christ like a year after that day. And Jay and I talked about our past. And while on the plane, I said, Jay, you have a church or anything like that? And he was like, man, you know church. Yes, I do. But Jay, I just wanna, I wanna challenge you. I don't think it's a coincidence we're on this plane together. And I wanna challenge you to, to find a church if you feel like that's what God's leading you to. And I don't know what's gonna happen with his life, but I believe that he is the God that is sovereign and he is not the God of coincidence. And I believe he placed me there and you have been placed. 
you have been placed. And I pray that you would trust God for the impossible, impossible people. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, use our lives for your glory. Use our lives for your story. And I pray, Jesus, I pray, Jesus, that we would tell your story to this world through our lives. And I pray that we would tell our story of how our lives were changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that we would trust you, God. Trust you. Trust you through everything, God. Trust you through everything, God. God, fill our trust up to the point where we can trust you for other people. God, fill our lives up to the point where we can trust you for other people. Fill my life up so I can trust you for other people's lives. Saturate my life so much that it overflows to the people around me. Give me such a deep sense of trust that my life is unexplainable without faith. Make my life unexplainable without faith. Make my life unexplainable without faith. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.